0: And a warm welcome, you're joining us here at Hyde Park on Other Than a 24. Tonight, as we talk about an economic crisis in the country, we'd like to look at the options and the opportunities within the country to spur, to spur rather, a local production industry. Do we have enough policies? Do we have the sufficient uh, capacities within the country? Is the policy environment adequately supporting a local production industry? We'll talk all of this and much more. i have invited to our studios a panel uh, which we believe will address this question sufficiently during uh, our long discussion. Let me uh, introduce Dr. Beshan Kulapala, Director and Co-Founder of Vega Innovations. A warm welcome to you. Thank you for having me. Uh, in the industry of locally designing and manufacturing automobiles um, uh, within the country and also we have with us mr duminda Hulangamo, vice chairman of the ceylon uh, chamber of commerce and also a member of the C- advisory committee appointed to assist the 11 member economic council appointed by president gotabe rajapaksa on the 9th of march uh, also joining us tonight we have with us mr kushan Jayasurya, president of solar uh, industries association we're talking about an energy crisis we're talking about the, the need for renewable energy energy, and here we are with a panel. Let me ask um, you as we begin, uh, is the environment adequately supporting l- a local production uh, industry in the country? I'd like to uh, s- start off with Dr. Beshan Kulapala.
1: Um, well, first of all, I think um, what we have shown through Vega Innovations is that the, um, the youth can be put together to do amazing things in this country to develop technologies that we would normally think that we need to import from somewhere else. Um, but of course, the policies and um, the, the, uh, the hard work of the youth doesn't match uh, at certain points. So there needs to be uh, some sense of um, changes on that front to accelerate and expedite the, uh, the process of innovation, technology, and taking it to the international market.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to also move to Mr. Hulangamo, you're, you're on the advisory committee uh, now uh, to advise the Economic Council. What are your uh, progress, what kind of progress have you made so far and what is your view of uh, the current economic situation and on the topic that we're talking today?
2: Yeah. So uh, thank you uh, Indiwari for inviting me yet again to Dharana uh, to take part in the discussion. Uh, how long would you give me?
0: <laughs> you can talk as much <laughs> as you want <laughs> yeah.
2: uh to answer your first question with regard to the progress we have made thus far uh we've been just appointed we had our first meeting on monday uh chaired uh, by his Excellency uh, with the National economic council uh where we uh, submitted uh five proposals to uh, the council uh and uh, in that five proposals that we suggested, other are clear today because there's some uh, uh, misinterpretation about the proposals. Uh, a, we uh, advise the council that they must start uh, negotiating at both bilateral mm-hmm. and IMF funding. It can be IMA for any bilateral funding. For that purpose, to appoint a technical committee consisting of people, both the central bank and the treasury because the Treasury understands the fiscal side of it, and central bank has the monetary side of it. So both these teams will get together, and uh, form a technical committee uh, that will appraise the uh, funding we need to navigate this difficult time. Mm -hmm. Two, uh, we said to appoint a financial and legal advisor to restructure the debt. Uh, Of course, we came to the conclusion that the debt needs to be restructured, especially the commercial debt that we had to restructure. And for that, you need international expertise because Sri Lanka does not have expertise because there are international coordinates, mm-hmm. there are international uh, conditions that you to meet. Uh, three, we said to a point, uh, we said the same team can advise the Honourable Finance Minister to drop the framework for the discussion with the IMF when it's going there in April. And more importantly, is to make sure supply chain uh, is not disrupted. Basically, get how to get the people off the streets today. Uh, so we had a first meeting, very productive, I thought, on Monday. We followed up another meeting yesterday the Governor's Central Bank. So we are working uh, quite a lot, actually, spending quite a lot of time uh, on this matter. Uh, but the path is not easy. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way. Uh,
0: is, is there interest from uh, the political authority I think so. to take advice from the I think so. Committee? I thought
2: the first meeting were receptive.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, there was genuine sincerity shown. Uh, by the president as well as the other members of the Economic Council uh, in accepting what we say. I mean, I'm sure everything what we say they can't do, right? Because we have a different way of looking at things. The government has a different way, but we have to have a midpoint where we meet. Uh, so yesterday, also we had a meeting with the governor where we, uh, such as, and proposals to overcome the short-term issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, basically, the what we uh, foremost in the way is that we have to make sure there's no social unrest. We have to make sure that the people. So, basic needs are supplied urgently on day-to-day basis. So, essentially, electricity, uh, fuel, and the gas have to be supplied. Uh, for that, we had your proposals uh, how to get that thing sortified, uh, sorted out. From the private sector, also, there are certain things we have to do. Uh, so, we are now uh, forming various really stakeholder groups to consult them and see what their views are in order to uh, fast track, immediately, not be coming for months and months, tomorrow, day after, how we can assist in the inflow of additional foreign currency to uh, support the essential needs
0: fundamentally so have you had any agreement fro- with 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 the um, yes uh, we the have recommendations had some, that yes, you made yes we had
2: some agreements i can't i mean i'm sure the government announced it uh, we had some agreements on certain issues, mm-hmm. on certain uh, policy matters, so they, they might come as announcements as we go along.
0: All right. Uh, moving on to talk to uh, Mr. Kushan Surya, the Solar um, uh, Industries Association. We're talking about an energy crisis here, managing utilities supply within the country. Um, again, yes, we have uh, an economic crisis. This is something uh, that the government has admitted to. Um, but at the same time, what measures are we taking here to spur an industry where we resort to um, renewable energy. Do we have policies that support uh, renewable energy generation at larger scale?
3: Thank you, in the very uh, for having me once again. Um, in terms of policy side, we have a very uh, uh, a sound and elaborated policy of 70% uh, uh, of renewable energy to be absorbed by 2030. Mm-hmm. So this is something we did not have earlier. So as a government, uh, we have developed a very good policy framework. So looking forward, uh, in what we are looking at is uh, an efficient mechanism for people to invest on solar system. So uh, if, you, if you look at uh, a couple of months ago, we had a, a tender which was floated for multiples of 50 megawatt power plants. Which had a very good uh, response. I think about 500 uh, applicants uh, applications were made, and I think 100 uh, have been shortlisted. So, likewise, there are, there are certain tools they have developed to to attract uh, investors. Uh, the issue of uh, uh, energy crisis is uh, has to be looked into detail because we are selling energy at a loss. So, if you look at the the statistics of 2019, uh, our cost of production is about 22, 23 rupees. And we are selling electricity at uh, 16 or 17 rupees as an average. So indirectly, what we are doing is we are passing these hidden costs to the, to the taxpayer or to the general public, which will wa- one day become uh, an unmanageable situation, which uh, it has come to this stage now. So there will obviously naturally will have to go for a uh, increase in terms of electricity, otherwise we won't be able to uh, manage the situation. The other aspect is for for people to invest on renewable energy. This process has to be fast tracked. Mm-hmm. So investors don't want to wait for two three years, you know, going behind various institutes to 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 do power plants.
0: Are you saying uh, we, we still have bottlenecks and red tape? Uh, when it comes to investment
3: see even as we speak uh, we have to get about 16 approvals uh, to do a, even a one megawatt power plant and that takes about two years mm-hmm. no foreign investor we will, will do that and also uh, uh, we have to look at the the payments for the industry I mean a lot of the the power plants which are owned by the private sector they have not got paid for almost you know six seven months but we we should look at the root cause of the problem, which is far beyond uh, the past three years. We have been selling electricity at a loss, and we have not focused on renewable energy, which is becoming cheap and more competitive. So therefore, still, uh, we have about 20% of diesel, now costing almost 50, 60 rupees. And uh, we dependent on coal, which was 7 uh, rupees or 9 rupees, now about 30 rupees, because a tonne of coal was 70 maybe six to seven months ago, but now it's 210. Mm -hmm. So I I think we should foresee more renewables coming in. Mm -hmm. If you talk about solar energy, I think solar energy is one of the cheapest uh, sources of energy. And out of which um, the rooftop program, where there's no uh, infrastructure development, I would say it's minimal, Mm -hmm. uh, is giving at an average uh, selling price of around uh, 19 rupees, and which is not tacked to the dollar. So if you look at the inflation, you know, 10, 15 years time, this is virtually peanuts. So looking forward, I think the Sustainable Energy Authority is also trying to develop various tools where we can implement renewable energy. The other aspect uh, I want to highlight is when we do these policies, we have to make sure that the, the model is transparent. Otherwise, if energy is procured at high prices once again, then we are going to be back to square one. So there has to be a transparent. Uh, uh, The the cost has to, uh, I mean, the the selling price has to reflect a competitive tariff. Otherwise, uh, across the region, we are going to lose. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if you look at uh, at this stage, we are selling electricity for industries at around 5 cents. I mean, between 3 to 5 cents, depending on the dollar. Uh, These sort of tariff rates are not going to um, help the CEB. Because very soon, they are going to collapse. So which is why, in my opinion, subsidies are good. But they are a necessary evil also, because they come back to you as indirect taxes. Mm So if I'm,
0: if, if yeah. I do remember, uh, yeah. somewhere around 2009 or 10, we did talk about uh, a, a, a shift to renewable energy. There was policy to have renewable energy uh, sources generating most of our energy requirement in the country by 2020. Yeah. Um, but but we've passed all these targets and expectations. But going forward, in the long run, is this sustainable? Is the sustainable energy switch sustainable for Sri Lanka as we speak now?
3: Uh, with our experience, sustainable energy is the only key for the future because we don't have uh, fossil fuel, which means if anything tacked to the dollar, we are going into a, a bigger problem. So, when we have hydros which support between 30 to 40 percent, uh, if we add maybe 20 to 30 percent of uh, renewable energy uh, which is not tacked to the dollar, Uh, then uh, we can create a very uh, sustainable uh, uh, future for our energy uh, usage.
0: Uh, I'd also like to turn to uh, Dr. Beshan Kulapala. Uh, Vega Innovations, I think we've been talking about uh, a forex crisis now. Um, Sources of foreign exchange uh, hindered, flows hindered the country. But at the same time, uh, we hear of ventures into the Indian market. Why Vega Innovations? Um, So what are the possibilities here for Sri Lanka to go, uh, whether it's global or regional or to our immediate neighbours? What kind of um, industries do you think can spur this uh, local production industry we are talking about?
1: Um, Yeah, uh, so before I answer your question, I'll just quickly jump back to the solar thing. Uh, One of the biggest problem with solar is that you can't store it uh, at your homes Mm -hmm. um, uh, and you just have to use it or net meter it back. Uh, So we are trying to fix that problem by uh, manufacturing home uh, battery backup systems that we hope to start sell late April, Mm -hmm. uh, so that people can install them at their homes, uh, charge it with the solar, and then use it during the nighttime or when there are blackouts. uh, So that it uh, provides a lot of um, sustainable energy that you can use right throughout the day at your homes. Um, to answer your question, uh, Indivari, um, uh, on the uh, export front, yes, we, may have ma- we have made gains to the Indian market with our EV charges, uh, also the, um, uh, the African continent as well. As well. Uh, so this was a big win for us to have Sri Lankan technology homegrown developed here, manufactured here. Uh, to compete with the ev chargers uh, from manufacturers like tata and mahindra and you know all the other big players that are in india so um, what we have shown there is that just a charger won't be enough to compete but you need an entire ecosystem a entire turnkey solution that you can um, have uh, that can be easily exported into other countries so Um, So we are looking at a a larger footprint in India, uh, a a larger footprint in Bangladesh and some of the other South Asian countries. Uh, Because if if we can um, export these value added uh, products and services, then there's a huge potential to bring uh, foreign currency back into the country. So So there is is a
0: demand for locally, Sri Sri Lankan, made in Sri Lanka. Uh, Products.
1: Absolutely. We are unable to build enough charges for India right now. So we are trying to uh, scale up. We are trying to uh, get the the raw components uh, into the country to do this. Uh, So there are all sorts of challenges um, uh, in this field, not just because of the foreign currency issue, but also because of the worldwide uh, silicon uh, shortage issue that is affecting every manufacturer in the world. Uh, and also the Ukrainian war has really uh, put a lot of um, pressure on the supply chain as well. Uh, So it's a lot of challenges to manage uh, through these difficult times, but we are continuing to build and export to India. So uh, we we hope to make a a, a large attraction on this. Uh,
0: You did mention that there was a gap between policies and the aspirations or the capacity here. But uh, what are the policy changes that you uh, want or expect to be changed to shape this uh, local production and to support locally uh, grown products? Uh, One of the biggest
1: problems is that the policies are not uh, geared around research and development of of R&D. To have these value-added service products uh, developed here, you have to spend a lot of time and energy uh, resources on R&D. If you don't do R&D, then you're just doing a minimal um, export product which you can't really uh, compete in the, the world out there. So the policies have to be geared around R&D, not just for universities, but for the private sector also. Uni- universities have you know, certain benefits for R&D uh, through the, the university system and, and through some policies. But uh, the private sector need more of that uh, to really accelerate and develop new IPs, new uh, proprietary technology that we can then uh, you know, claim a large, much larger uh, right in the, the world market. Um, and also, um, the, the, the speed of the process is very, very slow. Uh, the getting approvals, getting components into the country, getting them cleared it takes a lot of time. Uh, for, for an electronic um, engineering company, six days is a long time. Uh, in six days, some companies move so f- far that we get uh, you know, uh, slowed down quite a lot. Uh, so this has to be, you know, there has to be policies around it, have green, you know, channels that you can import, export things very quickly uh, so that you can accelerate. But essentially, we process.
0: do have the know-how here.
1: Absolutely. We have really shown that uh, from our work with Vega, with, uh, with ChargeNet, the EV Chargers, then the agriculture technology, AI grow uh, So the uh, know-how is here. The expertise here. There's enough young people to take, you know, products out to the world. We just have to focus and get the ducks in a row to get this going. Mm -hmm.
0: I'd like to turn to Mr. Hulango, maybe you can take these concerns also about policy (laughs) (laughs) um, mismatch uh, to the um, uh, Economic Council, but at the same time um, uh, here we're talking about handouts, uh, an economy with a handout culture. Um, Your expertise in tax also, we'd like to hear from you what is the way forward now as we talk about an economic recovery apart from the measures that we're about to take, but for a sustainable growth and recovery so that the economy uh, moves ahead unhindered, um, what measures do you recommend?
2: So in the way the measures (coughs) that we recommend also uh, can't be looked at isolation. Mm Uh, I mean, we can best-in-class proposals we can make for income tax, for VAT, for taxation side, on monetary policy, uh, on uh, uh, policies effective with industries, on subsidies, etc. Uh, but I say, at the same time, uh, you also have to make sure that there is that is sustainable in terms of society. It has to be socio-economic mm. because we have we can't propose. For example, we have a fiscal deficit. We all know we have a very big fiscal deficit. Now, in order to bridge that deficit, the easiest is to increase taxes, or cut down government expenditure, those are the two that you can do. Now, if you look at the increasing of taxes, we have to first see how many can afford to pay tax. Now, of our revenue collection, about 70 to 80% will come from direct taxes. That is from VAT, uh, customs taxes, et cetera, which have come down significantly now because of the economic situation but otherwise it would money from those sources. Now, if you increase taxes, it's a burden on the people. Those people who can afford to pay and cannot afford to pay, both they have to pay. So the question is how much you can burden the people, especially the current situation where already the cost living has gone up because of the dollar mm-hmm. uh, and the rupee, uh, rupee depreciation against the dollar. Secondly, uh, with regard to government expenditure, now it's a government expenditure, but 70 to 80 percent of the revenue collection goes to pay salaries of government servants. Mm. That is recurrent expenditure. Now some may be productive, some may be unproductive. I don't. I can't take a call and say everything is productive. But there may be unproductive areas in which we uh, maintain big staff, big employees, and big departments. They can be more, more efficient. All those are arguments that you can make. But from where to start? Where to pick? So how long will that uh, retrenchment program or that 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 shaving program will take? the restructuring will take. The yes, SOEs that are a burden on the treasury. Uh, we all know as the Electricity Board, mm-hmm. is selling at subsidized prices. The Petroleum Corporation is still, even at these prices are making losses. Uh, railways making losses. So can we just sell them off, or can we make the market base overnight? No, I don't think you can do it. Politically, you can't do it. I don't think I have worked with most governments in power on these matters. and all have a political Hmm. uh, angle, because they had first politically survive. Uh, So they can't just retrench 3,000, 4,000 people. They can't close government departments. Can we close? So so I saw reports saying the defense expenditure 15% more. Can we ask the armed forces to go home? We can't. So those are things that we can't do overnight. But someone must have the guts and the courage to do it. If you don't do it, there's no longer sustainability. So at some point, we have come too far, in my view, in terms of not doing structural reforms. Because if we don't do structural reforms, whatever adjustments you make on the fiscal policy side, also the economy will not develop. Because we are continue to fund loss-making activities, loss-making ventures, continue to build our recurrent expenditure without investing capital expenditure. So, so these are easy said and done. I mean, all of us can come and talk here, but it's not easy to implement. So, to answer your question, long-term sustainability requires a higher tax-to-GDP. Which we need to increase from where we are now. We are about twelve we used to about eighteen percent we used to be, now we are down to about nine percent, we need to get at least twelve percent. How to go government expenditure? So we have to rationalize our government expenditure, which is not easy. But at some point someone has to start that. Then how do you remove subsidies, as you said? Electricity board, petroleum corporation, uh, or what so are we going to have a program to reduce subsidies? Are we going for market based economy? Then is there will there be social unrest? right we have to manage that as a well, low no point having uh, everything beautifully planned and implemented if you have social unrest mm-hmm. right people on the streets so at ne- some
0: point we need to take those unpopular uh, decisions too we have
2: to take the unpopular decisions but I mean, political political decisions are okay so long as there's no social social unrest mm-hmm. right people because if you take because the costly people can't afford to take it so we have to manage the situation so then how do you then we have to target taxation on a few industries few individuals that also you can't take it beyond a certain threshold because you have the law of diminishing returns. So that if you increase taxes beyond a certain point, it's not productive to the economy mm-hmm. because people don't have money to reinvest, so they have to development. So we have to pick a certain level and try to increase the base, but this is also not easy, right? I said done that. So, so it's a real challenge we are facing in Sri Lanka at the moment. So we need to take bold decisions, at least one by one, step ahead. I don't think you can do everything overnight, but at least few things we can start doing now itself. Mm-hmm. And and I think publicity reform has to happen. I mean, I don't think you can, for example, sell electricity to someone, it won't work because you have to buy the people. Also, been
0: talking about restructuring and reviving. I know. It has never happened. Successive governments
2: have been talking, it never happened. It's not easy, but I think someone must have the courage to do it.
0: But but uh, again, privatizing or um, going in for probably a peopleizing solution here.
2: Yes, that's what I suggest. I don't think we can go for a privatized solution. Like I think uh, in Nigeria, President premadas called called peopleization the word that he used and where they gave a percentage of shares also to the employees, and bought them in. Mm. Uh, and then invited the private sector to come in. So you have a three-party uh, arrangement where the private sector comes in, as well as the uh, employees joining in, and the government also has a role in it. So I mean, these are all models to try out. It may or may not work. Some places it has worked, some places it has not worked. Now, classic case is SLT. Now, if you take in, in 95, 94 times, you had to wait for months to get a telephone. Right? Uh, it was under the government. Then SLT was reformed and I would say it's privatized, but reformed. They invited foreign capital, they changed the culture, hold, the whole steel government has a big stake. But it runs more as a private sector right now and they are very efficient competing with uh, international mm-hmm. mobile companies. So, so those are steps that you have to take, but not easy. Electricity and fuel will have a direct impact on the people. So I don't think you can increase prices overnight. Mm-hmm. So rationalization to take place over a period of time. Uh, and you targeted subsidies to the low effective sectors. Mm-hmm. And taxation also, we have to be targeted, but I don't think taxation can have a significant increase from where we are now, unless the economy expands. Mm. In terms of rate increases, I don't think we can do much in my view.
0: Right, right. I'd like to speak on uh, corporates as well going forward. Yeah. but. Uh, Prior to that, Mr. Jayasuri, um, we are talking about uh, producing solar panels uh, or going in for local production, we talk about uh, renewable energy. But again, I'm trying to clarify, is there capacity here? Uh, because here, Mr. Hulangamo says, you know, we shouldn't really pass down that, um, that burden on the people as well, given the current situation. But how do we mitigate this? Because as we talk about, the biggest challenge is the cost of panels do we bring it down to sri lanka or do we produce within the country how do we look at a sustainable solution to come out of this energy crisis right.
3: so if we are looking at if we are looking at manufacturing solar panels uh, those companies have to be heavily supported for example to make a solar cell we need a furnace that is at least half a I mean, several hundreds of megawatts And and, uh, our electricity costs are very high compared uh, to to some in the region. And also, uh, uh, when we do a manufacturing system in Sri Lanka, we have to go through a lot of processes. There is no transparent or liberalized tax mechanism where we can bring components. Mm -hmm. Uh, If I bring down a piece of copper wire, the customs can say put it to any tariff Mm -hmm. they want depending on how they feel like. For example, solar cables are technically uh, duty-free. i am just giving you an example. But if you bring it through customs, they can always classify it through a house wiring cable and charge us a huge tax. Mm-hmm. So if somebody wants to assemble a system like a battery system, uh, they will get fed up of it because uh, there's no um, policy to support the, the, the structure in terms of manufacturing. So the government has to aggressively talk to uh, uh, investors and production companies, get their opinion, and and make it easy so that we can um, uh, do it in a faster way. Manufacturing solar panels has to be done in gigawatt scale. So I don't see it, I mean, although it may not be the best statement you want to hear, it is not economically sensible for us to uh, produce solar panels here, especially the solar cells. So what we can do is, we can assemble solar panels. I think there are a few companies already doing that. And by doing so, we can uh, add a lot of value.
0: But the affordability for the general public at the lowest tier, how how do we uh, look at that?
3: See, if we look at uh, the lowest tier, uh, gets uh, electricity at around maybe 10 rupees or even less, which is not the real uh, figure of electricity. Mm So we can't, as renewable energy industrialists or people who generate renewable energy, we can't compete with a hypothetical figure. So right now, uh, I think we can produce solar energy uh, cost per kilowatt between, I would say, 11 rupees to 16 rupees, depending on the scale and and then you can't just because we are selling it at 10 rupees you can't ask them to uh, produce it at 10 rupees then that industry will never grow and renewable energies will not come in so but at the on the other side as uh, mr ulanguvu explained we can't just increase the electricity tariffs overnight because there's a social element to it but very soon we will have to at least migrate periodically towards a cost-reflective tariff, then only all stakeholders can compete and renewable energies can penetrate successfully.
0: What is the current uh, contribution to the national grid from uh, renewable energies? Do you have the stats or how has it uh, changed uh, in the recent past?
3: See, I can tell you about solar. Uh, We are looking at between, sad to say, between two to three percent only. Mm. For a country that has uh, 5.5 peak covers of sunlight, we have only two to three percent of uh, solar energy uh, uh, in terms of uh, annual contribution. We, uh, we are a country that's blessed with hydro. So um, depending on the, the seasonal rain, we have between 30 to 40% of uh, hydro contribution also. Mm-hmm. So I think the, all these are solvable because we are a country that is blessed with a mm-hmm. lot of natural resources.
0: Which are heavily underutilized. They're heavily underutilized. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take a short break here at Hyde Park on other than a 24. We're discussing uh, spurring local production industry as we face an economic crisis in Sri Lanka. Welcome back, you're joining us at Hyde Park on Adderderna24. Uh, we're talking about a production economy and innovations. Vega has navigated through these policy difficulties maybe, but in your view, as we talk about the industry, uh, the culture of innovations, what do you think is the reason for Sri Lanka to lag in uh, approaching new tech innovations or an innovations culture apart from the fact that you said um, research and development uh, is is not on par with our at least regional giants um,
1: since 2014 you know uh, when we put this young team together to develop an electric supercar in sri lanka uh, a lot of young people have uh, you know have come up with their own solutions in all sorts of other industries. So there is a sense of uh, startups and a lot of young people are getting involved in, in technology. But still, the the investments are not coming in to um, justify their hard work. There is not enough uh, success stories where these startups have gone out to become a million dollar company. Uh, and I think. That is also mostly because not the products are not good, but because there are so little investors. Investors in Sri Lanka are very confident in build, building a hotel or putting up a building somewhere. But very few people would uh, invest on technology. So our parent company, Coogen International, is one of those companies that take the risk and, and develop these cutting-edge technologies to to take it out to the world. So I think uh, the culture of startups have to have this culture of investors as well. Now, there are a few uh, angel investors, a few uh, venture capitalists who have come in, and, and there is a little bit of ecosystem that is happening through Hutch and all of these other organizations. But I think that also needs to get accelerated so these startups have success stories, so that young people who get into the startup culture knows that if they do well, that there is a part to get somewhere and I think that is very important and also from the point of view from uh, school age itself the, the parents itself needs to understand that startup is a good thing it's an okay thing right um, when we hired people for Vega initially the parents of those engineers wanted them to go to a, you know some of the more uh, reputable uh, you know standard companies but not work in a, uh, this dream like project where you build a supercar so This culture of change has to happen at every level, from family, to to school, to universities, to the industry and to the government as well. So it's a very cohesive kind of ecosystem that we need to build. But
0: do we need to look at a secondary education, uh, academic policy change here to to instill that culture in children and even uh, bring parents together? Or do you think that uh, we haven't sufficiently demonstrated the possibilities uh, in a country as Sri Lanka, where we can uh, go into new innovations and uh, local productions?
1: i think uh, the answer to both questions is yes um, we have to uh, have a um, ch- have a change in the education system to enable young children to think about innovation think about um, capitalism where you build something and you sell it and make money it's not a bad thing to make money uh, you, you do you should not be doing innovation for csr to do innovation to get a certificate from some minister and be on the Sunday paper and then complain about it you know two years later that nothing has happened you have to innovate to make money to sell it out to the world give the services so that you can then have a sustainable business so I think it's very important that young people also get uh, this into their head Um, on the um, on the second question you asked um, I think uh, we have not done enough Uh, there has to be a lot more push from the export development board and all sorts of other tech uh, companies that are out there to take our products to uh, some of the world um, exhibitions to to get those products out there because everybody competes in this space and if you go to a worldwide exhibition out there you know there are so many stalls with all sorts of different tech gadgets when when sri lanka is not there there is a big difference about being a successful company versus not. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Talking about um, bringing in investment or uh, going in for new trade agreements, uh, we're talking about now the need for more and more funding within the country. Uh, You said whether it's bilateral uh, funding or whether we go in for an IMF program, there are certain uh, structuring processes that we need to adhere to. But here, do we really understand what this restructuring is? What will the economy be like uh, if we restructure debt? Um, And what is the difference if we go in for an IMF program without uh, letting the country's debt uh, go into default?
2: Yeah, so (coughs) the debt restructuring in the very is to enable the cash flows of the government. Uh, ideally, we should not be restructuring, mm-hmm. we should be honoring our debt in the same way that we have been paying for the last many years, we have never defaulted or restructured our debt and we have a credibility in the national markets for that reason. But current situation is dire in that the government will not be unable to meet its daily basic needs with the you know, amount of foreign currency we have if the debt is not restructured, uh, unless we get other funding coming in. So. Uh, if we repay the $1 billion that we have to pay around that amount in July, that will starve off off the foreign currency we have to import the essentials. Now, if the government wants to build the $1 billion, they have to take it from the market, from the exporters who bring money from the remittances that come, the tourism money that comes, they have to build the reserve to pay the billion dollars. Because we can't now go to international markets and borrow anymore because of credibility, because our ratings are low. So, that is why, in order to meet the cash flow requirements of the government, we have to restructure the debt in a way where we repay it, reschedule it, and repay it over a number of years that is longer than what is currently uh, those conditions are uh, asking us to pay. Now, the debt restructuring is most effective if we do it under the IMF program. Under the IMF program? Under, under the IMF program. Okay. Because when the IMF comes, uh, there will be certain conditions that they'll place in terms of fiscal discipline, uh, increase tax revenues, cut government expenditure, cost-based projects, reduce subsidies. So those are the recommendations of the IMF that will give, in order to enable government to enough to have enough revenue to pay off the the debt. So if we do it an IMF program, then the international lenders will us money who are getting whose debts are getting. Uh, rescheduled, we look at it positively mm-hmm. from where they are uh, and say, okay, we are agreeing to this restructuring program, we are agreeing to the repayment because we know there is someone monitoring the government's revenue and the expenditure and there will be adequate surplus to repay the debt even after four or five years. So, that is why we need to go under write the programs. there is credibility in the whole process. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, transparency, credibility of the process, there's a third party looking at the whole thing.
0: But restructuring debt, wouldn't it send um, uh, warning signs to investors or would...? As I
2: said, so a restructuring is also effectively a default. Mm-hmm. But if you do it on your own, it will be what you're saying. Right, but if you do right. it under the IMA program, then the investors generally, if you look at Argentina all the country, Ecuador who went through the process, Uh, It has been successful because it has gone through IMF, there is some kind of credibility in the whole process. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they won't accept what we are saying. Because Mm -hmm. we have failed, that's why we are going to someone. Yes. We are unable to pay.
0: Mm Right. In in your view, uh, will this will this uh, allow Sri Lanka to navigate the economic uh, circumstances I hope so. that we're faced with? I hope so. Um, going to the IMF because we've been talking about a homegrown solution and then the IMF. Again, we speak of these conditions that the IMF will lay out. Um, are those conditions favourable for Sri Lanka? Are those uh, or rather, can the government, given our uh, balance sheet, can we um, fit into those? No,
2: I would. I think they may not have any choice. Uh, I think ideally if we can have our own solution that is the best but at the moment the revenues that we are at least the foreign exchange that we are getting from our traditional sources like tourism and remittance have come down almost halved. so because there's a deficit. Uh, so how to find that deficit from where do you get that money so there is no choice uh, because we can't now go and ask money from earlier what did you do when you have a deficit for example. And if I just take you through the statistics you know, mm-hmm. in a nutshell, if I put it, our total export earnings of goods is about $12 billion at best of times. Last year was one of the best years. And then from services, we got about another $3 billion. So altogether, 1.15 billion dollars. Our imports are about $22 billion. So we have a 7 billion gap. So we have the remittances that will cover part of it. But we have to pay the loans as well. So there is a gap of about Four five billion dollars to meet the current account deficit mm-hmm. now and also it has accumulated why because we had two years of Covid as a result of which we would have lost about ten billion dollars of foreign reserve, foreign money coming in in both form of tourism and remittance have almost disappeared so last two years we had deficit of about ten billion dollars that is the one that has caused this problem i mean this should have we would have come into some level of problem, but it would have been as bad as this. Uh-huh. So we lost about $10 billion, I would say $10-12 the last two years because of COVID for no fault of government or anyone. But it has happened. So now we have to find a way out of it. So unless, so only way we can do is to restructure our debt so that we can get long time to pay. We can pay the debt with our, what we are getting, but then we'll starve the people from having the essential items. So we have to decide are we going to have electricity, power cuts, no fuel, no gas, or pay the debt, one the two, right? So in order to find a solution only, we're suggesting that it has to be a restructuring of the debt, an IMA program, under an IMA program, because then there's credibility to the whole process. Now, for example, even this devaluation of the currency, in my view, should have happened uh, with an IMA program in hand. Because now at the moment, what is happening is with the devaluation, Traditionally, when the devalued, we had money to, re- to defend the currency. Central Bank uh, come and defend the currency.
0: I'm trying to clarify again. Um, you mean to say that the flotation of the rupee was, was not timely, is it?
2: No, I wouldn't say it's timely. I would say it should have been done.
0: With an IMF program?
2: Under IMF program, right. ideally. But of okay. course, it came to a point where the government could resist anymore and they had to rivalise it. But under an IMF program, if we did it, then there's faith in the currency. Mm. So people will not be speculating then. Now what happened is that speculation taking place because central bankers now can't come and defend the currency because they do not have money to defend the currency. So if it happened in an IMA program, then everyone knows, okay, there is they would also come and give us balance payment support. So then everyone, all the markets know that there is uh, someone to save us or so someone to hold our hand. Yeah. So the currency wouldn't have depreciated as much as it would have depreciated today. Although. Timely, I mean, we thought by settle about 230, 240, but I still feel it should be 250, 260. it should settle mm-hmm. at the moment, it's going yes crazy because of this uh, black market and all those things is going up and down. But I think I should settle at about 250, 260 is my view. When the prices go up, people can't afford to buy and it will naturally settle down. But an IBA program, if you need it, it, would have been easier to control the situation than what it is now. Mm-hmm. But I think you should settle down, is my view.
0: Uh, you said we have to decide whether we uh, honor our debt. Uh, Pay our fuel bill, yes. provide electricity here. When we talk about all this, the impact on local industries, the private sector. Again, we talk about the, the impact with uh, power outages, uh, interruption to uh, the fuel shortage. How do we, in the meantime, look at uh, look at mitigating these uh, I- the impact on these industries yes. because the economy runs I as know. a resu- result of these yeah. private sector so contracts.
2: So absolutely right. So that is why we uh, have. Uh, Emphasize this uh, periodically and uh, to a large extent last two months because of the power crisis, because to run the generators It costs much more and even to run generators, there's no full. Okay. So some industries were coming to a closing stage. So now I think it has been restored uh, somewhat and uh, we feel that with the Indian credit line the diesel part might, might get sorted out for at least two three months uh, and Thereafter, we have to see how we are going. Thereafter, from that point, what I am going to do is mm-hmm. the China facility coming, is IMF coming. So we need to uh, structure the, uh, the 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 foreign currency. Thereafter, what happens because we need about 400 million dollars a month for fuel alone. I am
0: mm-hmm. not sure if I could manage the timing of the program. But before we uh, move on to talk about solar, again, um, you spoke about the Indian credit line, um, the the Chinese um, facilities that are coming into the country. Um, Is it, are are we doing this right? Are we leaning towards one country more than another when it comes to uh, bailing out the economy? Or do you think, um, apart from, let's leave the IMF aside, but managing India and China and the United States, are we doing this right? Is this favorable for the economy?
2: So as it is, they're getting from both parties, it's OK. <laughs>
0: but but, but we, uh, if you talk about the investments too, uh, we saw um, the Adani group coming into the country. And then we saw a lot of controversy surrounding all this. Yes, we, it may look like uh, we're balancing out our uh, neighbors. But is, is this the best? Yeah, so choice?
2: India is a tough choice. Uh, I understand to balance uh, two big superpowers. It's not easy. Uh, so that's probably why now we signed up with India on the credit line. Uh, which is almost 2.4 billion dollars. In my view, it's about 1 billion dollars of uh, credit line and a fuel of about 500 million dollars, and then they also delayed the ACU payments, so about 500. So it comes about 2.4 billion dollars, which is a substantial. Time, uh, in my view, at, at the current situation. Uh, yes, you might upset some powers. I don't know. I don't. I. I can't comment on uh, those geopolitical uh, issues. Uh, but
0: this debt trap we are talking about, we've been talking about a debt trap even before this three-year period. But does that, does this take us Yes,
2: to I that? mean, I mean, the sad part of it is uh, whatever we do to strengthen our foreign currency situation now is through debt, mm-hmm. there is no choice because the FDIs have dried up uh, and FDIs will not come under the current situation and uh, exports cannot meet the total demands of our imports. So either we cut off imports completely of the non-essential items and then survive for the next three months and see. Uh, but we have to borrow. Otherwise, there is no way that we can. Uh, so of course, if we can borrow, what we were saying is that if you can borrow on about 10-year loan, see if you can do about three, I mean, we have to arrest the current situation, right? There is a crisis in the country, people on the streets protesting, demonstrating. So we have to get them off the streets, in my view, and bring normal life back. So these assets have to be supplied, uh, whatever it costs. So. Uh, so I think going to China not bad. I mean, if China is giving uh, bilateral funding, uh, of course, we have to make sure that those conditions are tenable conditions, as much as Indian conditions are. Uh, So whoever is giving it, as balancing is up to the government, but I think we have no choice in situation but to go to either party or both parties. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, What support do we think we can uh, have from solar industries as we go forward? Uh, We're talking about uh, going to the export market, reaching that, but is there capacity here where we can think of innovative ways to reach out to regional powers, regional players, or uh, are there uh, issues here? Especially when we look at uh, a foreign exchange point of view.
3: See I think to start with, uh, we were only looking at maybe 2 to 3% of solar energy in our national grid at the moment. So we should look at why solar power has not expanded in Sri Lanka before
0: it… You said 2 to 3% only, the contribution uh, to the national grid. Yes. Yes.
3: I think uh, uh, firstly… Uh, we must tell that the skills and the technology is available in Sri Lanka. There's no problem with that. We have a very vibrant free education system. So everybody knows what they're doing. It's just that in terms of infrastructure, they have to be supported. I mean, I was talking to some of the senior officials at CEB. What they were saying is for us to increase more than uh, uh, 1,000 megawatt of uh, solar. We need uh, billions and billions of infrastructure development in terms of cable work and and managing this situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those have to be addressed uh, before we go overseas. We have to look after our internal issues. Uh, and also we are looking at large plants, and we are a uh, agriculture-based country still. So we can't uh, just uh, you know uh, fill up the peripherals fields and put solar, which is why a lot of these large plants have sort of taken. Uh, a bit of a U-turn or delay, because uh, to install uh, maybe 10 megawatts of solar, we need about 45 acres. So I think our strategy also has to be looked into in terms of smaller power plants scattered in terms of 3 megawatts of, 5 megawatts, in parallel to us looking at you know 50 megawatt or 100 plus, which can take ages and ages. So if you look at a uh, 3 megawatt, we are only looking at couple of acres, and that those systems can be installed in about three to four months time. So if we really strategize this. And now knowing that solar energy is very cheap comparatively, um, uh, th- then we can implement it very quickly. The other uh, issue we have to resolve is the storage, because solar uh, systems have intermittency issues. We call it uh, non-dispatchable sources of energy. So I was uh, uh, chatting with uh, a gentleman from Vega, and he says that they have developed a battery that, that is costing between four hundred to 500,000, which can store five uh, kilowatt hours per day. So I just did the math uh, with him right now, and I found out that at around 45 to 50 rupees, we can actually store energy. Mm. So if you look at cost of production of solar energy, which is, uh, uh, I would say, maybe, let's say, 15 rupees, still, uh, even at this stage, we are competing with diesel, for sure. So that means diesel is an incremental cost. Whether we like or not, the dollar can go up, uh, and the chances are it will go up for, for some time. A- and the, it's a scarce resource, so you're guaranteed that the cost of diesel will go up. And with uh, with a system that is homegrown, like uh, uh, we, we were just discussing, we can compete with diesel right away. Mm. And for five years, it's energy free. So if we can develop such kits in Sri Lanka, I can assure you that we can even compete with companies like Tesla. Because if you if go for uh, a foreign brand, which is of same uh, kilowatt hour capacity, we are looking at least 40% uh, in terms of cost increase. So, with, so if, if we can help the industrialists uh, to, to do these sort of uh, innovations through technology and, and, and support in terms of finance, uh, then we can obviously go into those this market. Okay. If we start selling a, a, an, an energy pack, which can give uh, 5 kilowatt hours of uh, autonomous energy with a set of solar panels. I can assure that uh, people will come in the queue and we won't be able to supply them. But that cohesive approach has to be there.
0: But Uh, we have the potential here to go for that. Uh, You're talking about policy and and infrastructure. If
3: you look at uh, Sri Lankan companies who are in this industry, they have gone to Pakistan, Bangladesh, uh, Uganda, those countries, and we are doing a wonderful job there. Uh, So when we talk to them, what they're saying is it takes a long time for things to happen. And, and where there are countries where they can implement a project within six to seven months, obviously investors will will go there.
0: So, has the association made representation uh, with the authorities, and uh, what's a- what kind of uh, response? A- as the take?
3: association, we are also facing uh, uh, a few issues, which I think are ca- which I think have to be resolved. First thing is uh, we cannot import our equipment because of the restrictions related to um, uh, non-essential items. So if you want to uh, import a solar uh, can panel container, we have to wait in the queue for you know, two, three months. And, and then uh, the LC facilities are given in about uh, 150 days. Mm-hmm. So no industrialist is going to invest money maybe uh, on a, on a, set, on a uh, container of solar panels, not knowing what it is going to cost. So at least if you look at the energy perspective, which is critical, this is the time that the government should prioritize. Uh, uninterrupted uh, sources of energy, I'll to give you a good example. Each time we have a power cut, all the solar plants which are generating um, a cumulative total of uh, half a gigawatt have to stop. Mm. Because they are made to work with the grid and when the grid is not there, they just uh, idle. Mm-hmm. That is running into billions of rupees uh, every day. So I think uh, it's a difficult uh, time for everyone and everyone has different ideas. But the government has to take the the initiative and 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 look it look at it as a. Uh, as a cohesive uh, solution.
0: Right, very quickly, this is all the time we have, but I'd like to ask, uh, I I should ask this question about vehicle imports to the country. We've been talking about how uh, import restrictions have hampered the vehicle industry. Um, But again, with Vega uh, manufacturing, designing, producing vehicles in the country, what is the way forward for Sri Lanka? We spend billions uh, of dollars um, annually on imports.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a trying time if you want to you know own an automobile in this country, for sure. Um, we have been working on an electric three-wheeler uh, for the last two years. Uh, we hope to bring it out to the market uh, in June, July time frame uh, and start selling them around September time frame. Uh, and our whole goal is to not just for the local market, but to take it to the outside uh, world itself. Um, there's a lot of demand in Bangladesh. Uh, in the African continent, uh, as well as uh, you know some players in India as well, where even India who builds you know millions of three wheelers don 't have a uh, you know a solid electric three wheeler uh, model yet, so uh, there is a chance that we can compete in this uh, in this market. Um, the electric three wheeler market is thirty five billion dollars uh, worldwide uh, If we capture just ten percent of it that 's three and a half billion dollars so Uh, So the impact is huge. Um, We are also working on a small car and other uh, electric mobility uh, vehicles as well. But it's very difficult to bring these uh, vehicles out to the market um, in a very short time frame. There is a long R&D process for it. Uh, but we are trying our best to you know cut that and bring it out to the market but uh, it would take another one or two years to to do that
0: right uh, that's all the time we have here at hyde park but well, thank you very much uh, gentlemen for joining me at hyde park on adhaterina 24. Uh, we had uh, joining us tonight dr beshan kulapala director and uh, co-founder of vega innovations as well as Mr. Duminda Hulangamur, Vice Chairman of the Salon Chamber of Commerce and member of the Advisory Committee appointed to assist the 11-member Economic Council and Mr. Kushan Jayasurya, President of the Solar Industries uh, Association. We've been talking about spurring a local production economy as we look at ways to come out uh, of the country's economic situation and the crisis. We'll see you again next week at the same time with yet another edition at Hyde Park.